Vox Quick Hits. If you're a cynic, and I know a lot of you are, you could look at Americans getting vaccinated, restrictions being lifted, sports welcoming back fans, and now back-to-back weeks with headline-grabbing mass shootings and say, well, there it is, folks. America's back. But Jennifer Masia writes about guns for the trace, and she'd like to tell you America never left. No, uh, mass shootings never stopped in communities of color. Just two weeks ago, 15 people were shot in Chicago, two of them fatally. On the same day, four people were shot and wounded in Chicago. So you have two mass shootings on the same day in Chicago two weeks ago. They didn't stop national news coverage. CNN didn't break in, and Lori Lightfoot didn't give a presser. These shootings never went away. They take the form of domestic shootings a lot of times. There was a lot of domestic violence. As soon as the pandemic happened, it destabilized a lot of segments of society. Now, to its credit, the House did take up this issue two weeks ago before either of these mass shootings in Georgia or Colorado that are, in fact, getting a ton of attention. What's in the bills that the House of Representatives passed? Two weeks ago, the House passed a bill that expands background checks to private gun sales. They would require unlicensed and private sellers to conduct background checks for gun purchases. Licensed sellers already have to do so. And they also passed a bill that would close the so-called Charleston loophole, which is how the Charleston church shooter in 2015 got his gun. A shooter who never should have had his gun, but who obtained it actually on the fourth day when no background check had come back after the dealer called him and said, you can come get the gun. So this would expand the investigation period from three to 10 days. But last week, the House also passed the Violence Against Women Act reauthorization. Now that included several gun prohibitions, a gun ban for abusive dating partners, misdemeanor stalkers, and people serve with temporary restraining orders. And it would also require the Department of Justice to notify local police when someone fills a background check. So you have those three bills Hmm. that really forward these gun prohibitions. And that's the House. The Senate is a different story. What's going on in the Senate? What happened after the House passed these bills two weeks ago? They're in the Senate. They're just there, um, waiting for the Senate to take them up, which would be a difference from Mitch McConnell's Senate, which just didn't take them up because these bills also passed in 2019. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says... This time will be different. The legislative graveyard is over. H.R. 8 will be on the floor of the Senate and we will see where everybody stands. No more hopes and prayers, thoughts and prayers. So now they're sitting in the Senate. The Senate is split 50-50. And Democrats need 10 votes from Republicans to end a filibuster. Now that is extremely unlikely to happen. That basically is preventing this bill from being voted on by a simple majority. Because by a simple majority, it has a good chance of passing. But when you need 60 votes to end a filibuster, it's just, it's stuck. It's dead in the water. Hmm. So even with the mass shootings in Georgia and Colorado, even with the fact that mass shootings never really went away, meaningful legislation is looking unlikely barring filibuster reform. You've been covering this gun reform effort debate for years. Where is the debate right now politically compared to where it's been in the past? 
So the public gun debate is the same place it's always been. Large majorities of Americans, including gun owners, Republicans, and NRA members, support expanded background checks and even an assault weapon ban. The problem is the Senate and the Republicans and the NRA's grip on the Republican Party. And unfortunately, we are at an impasse. I mean, with Democrats split in the Senate, the environment post-Trump also is just way too politically charged for Republicans to risk losing those voters. Trump voters and gun voters, they've kind of merged. And Republicans are terrified of losing their jobs. And it's just really politically charged environment right now. Gun politics has been seen as the third rail of American politics for a long time. So it's probably the worst possible time to bring up legislation like this. But Democrats argue it is urgent and essential, as demonstrated by the fact that we had two major public mass shootings in less than a week. The one major difference right now as we speak on March 24th, 2021, is that there is a different president, Joe Biden. Can he do anything outside of Congress? We know he has a penchant for executive orders. Uh, Well, first of all, he has the authority to regulate gun imports. He could actually use that authority to restrict the importation of assault weapons, which wouldn't take care of all assault weapons. Hmm. He could also sign an executive order creating an interagency task force on gun violence prevention that could bring together different federal agencies like the DOJ, Health and Human Services. And he could create like a coordinated national response, almost like a pandemic response. Think like an Office of Gun Violence Prevention. He could set the tone and take on and imbue this sense of urgency into this crisis. Because while we have a pandemic, there is still the epidemic of gun violence happening parallel to that. What would it really take to reform gun laws in the United States. I mean, these aren't laws that will change whether or not there are mass shootings even. These are just laws that might make it slightly harder to get a gun. A lot of people have said if the deaths of 20 school children didn't do it, what is? We now know their names, in fact, this morning. They are so young, all in the first grade, all of them shot more than once by a semi-automatic rifle. The medical examiner saying, mercifully, death was swift. He added this is the worst case he had ever seen. The liberty of any person to own a military-style assault weapon and a high-capacity magazine and keep them in their home is second to the right of my son to his life. Let's honor the founding documents and get our priorities straight. First graders. And from every family who who never imagined that their loved one would be taken from our lives by a bullet from a gun. Every time I think about those kids, it gets me mad. And by the way, it happens on the streets of Chicago every day. Now, a lot has been done at the state level since Sandy Hook. State legislatures got very active and started passing state gun restrictions. 
it's a patchwork, so you can go into another state, get a gun, and bring it back. It's not foolproof. It does matter. Connecticut has some very strong gun laws, and they have pretty a pretty low number of gun deaths, and especially intentional gun deaths. So the federal government, you could even make the argument that it doesn't even matter anymore, because how useful has it been in the last decade when it comes to gun legislation? It hasn't. Some people even say federal gun reform doesn't even matter anymore. I talk to violence intervention groups on the ground in cities like Los Angeles, and they're like, look, you know, gun laws are great, but we want funding for evidence-based strategies. Like, we're past looking to the federal government to solve this problem. That's kind of where we're at. We are, as a country, getting past the idea that Congress is going to fix this because Congress hasn't. That means whatever solutions are going to be piecemeal and they're going to be indirect and they're not really going to get at the problem in a holistic way. But that's what we're left with. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts. 